Hi, and welcome back to another episode of Cycling Talk podcast with me, Georgia Mahoney. My podcast is available on Spotify, Acast, Apple Podcasts, my Buzzsprout website, Podbean, and all the usual podcast places. My podcast is also on Instagram and Facebook at cycling.talk.podcast and on Twitter at cycling underscore talk. In today's episode, I am joined by Lewis Askey. If you're a follower of junior racing, then you'll know who he is. He's competed in road, cyclocross, mountain bike and track all over the world. So I'm really excited to chat with him and find out more about these experiences. Thank you for joining me today, Lewis. No worries. Thank you for having me. Can you tell me one of your early memories of being on a bike? Yeah, I'd say for me, probably one of the earliest, earliest memories I have of being on a bike is following, well, not following, being on the back of a tag along um, of my dad going around Canic Chase. I don't know how young I would have been there, like stupidly, probably too young to be on the back of a tag along. But um, yeah, like overtaking plenty of people and <laughs> on the back of a tag along a couple of years old. That's probably one of the earliest memories of actually being on a bike. I know when I was younger, I had, uh, I was quite quickly off my stabilizers. I think it was before I was two years old, I was off that, but I don't particularly have many memories of that. But yeah, I do remember flying around the kind of chase on the back of a tag along. And do you remember the first bike that you were really excited about? First bike that I remember being, I don't remember being excited before having it but I remember being super excited to get the Isla bikes Isla bikes used to be massive I I, I suppose they probably still are massive Um, but because when I was younger I used to do a lot of yeah more cycle cross and the road as well but I remember getting the yellow I think it was the yellow Isla bike it was the 700c wheels I think they used to have marked on and I just remember getting the bigger wheels the yellow bike I could do road on it and I could swap the wheels over and do some cycle cross and I just remember that being like such a cool thing that I was on a big bike now um I think I probably had cleats for the first time around then as well so it was all all new exciting stuff yeah I think there was like that for me with the Isla bikes everybody that I knew had one and it was like yeah then I thought that was the only type of bike that you could actually have yeah yeah (laughs) I remember at the West Midlands Cycle Cross League probably where I started racing really it just used to be full of just yeah. the start line was just 70% Isla bikes. It's quite cool, I suppose. Can you actually tell me about your first race? My first race, I was four or five years old, I think. And it was at uh, Rougely Leisure Centre, um, a cycle cross race, probably. I assume it was one of the West Midlands cycle cross league again. And um, I was on a little, I didn't have a cross bike at this point, I don't think. It was... Um, like a silver BMX, it had blue tyres, I remember that, and um, yeah, I turned up to this cycle cross race, not probably not knowing anything about the what it was going to be like, but yeah. um, loving every minute of it really, and um, I, the story, I don't know uh, personally, but apparently the story at the time was um, Adrian Timmis, who is a ex-pro rider, uh, lives near us, he was there watching, and he said to my mom and dad at the uh, time, he was like, ah, oh, that guy, he's going to be, um, I reckon he's going to ride the Tour one day. He's going to ride Tour de Francias. And obviously I was only four or five years old, but apparently just, I was, I think the way I was 
obviously I wasn't winning the race on my BMX, but the way I was sort of super focused and just, I, I suppose a lot of people at that age are sort of um, just riding around like, oh, what, look at me, mom. Like, yeah. but I think I was just super like it, loving it, but so focused on taking every, every person, every little second I could at that age. But um, yeah, so that's quite a cool story. Um, yeah. Yeah. Did you join a local club? Yeah, so I don't know how old I would have been, um, but I remember the first, I joined Litchfield City Cycling Club. It's only the actual, so that we train at Kerbera Sprint Course uh, in Litchfield, and it's only 10, 12 miles from my house. So it's really close. It takes 15 minutes in the car. And I remember the, I've been super excited to go uh, and do my first training training session with the club but uh i forgot to take a helmet the first time so i had to wait then a whole week we drove all the way there and i forgot the helmet and uh, i had to wait a whole week until the next time and i just remember not that i remember it that well but i just remember absolutely uh yeah getting into it straight away and loving it um it was nigel kate well i think was doing the coaching at the time and then as it got older uh, my dad started doing quite a lot with the club so that was always really good uh, for me and my brother because uh, there was always like a Tuesday night training session that was, I wouldn't say famous, but uh, almost famous around us for being quite a good, bringing quite a few riders through and just being a really cool session to do, really. So, um, yeah, I did join Litchfield City Cycling Club and stayed with them all the way through until under 16. So, yeah, I had uh, plenty of good times and races with the club. So who were you riding and training with growing up? So I live pretty much on Cannock Chase. It's, mm-hmm. It takes three minutes for me to go from where my house is to get actually onto off-road stuff to ride over Cannock Chase. So ever since I was, well, I can remember, I was riding on off-road Cannock Chase. So yeah, I, I was riding around there and with my dad my uncle there's a group that used to go out on a Tuesday night it was called like a Tuesday night pain train was the like the whatsapp group should we say for it so it was a few um like my dad my uncle maybe like a few other people in my family my granddad when I was younger used to come out and then as I got a bit older some of the like the Rollisons came out with me so just like people that do downhill mountain biking and stuff like that. It was just a good group. There might have been like eight, nine of us out and we'd go out in the winter after dark. So I'd get back from school, have dinner and then go out at sort of half six and do two hours or something over the chase. And when I was younger, it was the sort of thing, I started off just riding with my family over the chase. And then this Tuesday night ride was sort of a, um, something I, I, I wasn't fast enough to do when I was younger. So, but it was always like this thing that I really, really wanted to be good enough to be able to do. So then as I got better and better and older and older, I'd managed to I'd then go out for the first little bit of it and then they'd carry on without me. And then I got older and I'd be able to get, I'd be able to go around with them for the full couple of hours and keep up. Well, they'd have to wait for me a bit. And then I'd be, be able to do a proper ride with them for the two hours. And then it sort of evolved over the years to where then it was, I was loads faster than the guys I was going out with. And now it's a, uh, it's an electric bike train. So it's me and my brother go out and everyone else is on e-bikes now. So that's quite a cool thing we do in the winter. So it's, I think it's got faster and faster over the years, but luckily e-bikes have came along so we can still all go out and uh, 
smash around can it chase together so are your family still involved in cycling then yeah so my mom was a triathlete and dad has always been involved in cycling did a bit of triathlon did like always been sporty I suppose and then I suppose when we got into cycling dad did all his coaching stuff so that's why he managed to become a coach at Litchfield and obviously my brother Ben is a couple years younger than me so he's still uh, doing going through the well he's a junior now but obviously with COVID last year he didn't get to do loads of uh, under 16 stuff yeah the answer is yeah basically they're they're uh, Mom goes out on a bike all the time. Dad goes over the chase with us on the Tuesday night thing. And um, yeah, we're quite a cycling mad family, really, with <laughs> what goes on. Yeah. <laughs> and something a lot of people might not know about you is that you're a high-level swimmer. Can you tell me about that? Yeah. I mean, I was I was younger when I was good at swimming. I haven't swam in a while. I, I wanted to get back into it, if I'm honest, because I think it's so good for just everything I mean I, I knew because I, I I went swimming a little bit last year and I I was absolutely dying I couldn't breathe <laughs> so I uh it's it's really hard um but yeah when I was younger I, my nan has her own swim school so ever since I was I don't know how young I was uh swimming and I think it's important that everyone knows how to swim um and learns how to swim so I think that's quite cool so yeah I sort of started off at my nan's swim school and then as I got a bit older, started doing more, um, went to club. I used to swim for Chase Swim Club. And then I started doing some racing and I was fairly good, I suppose. I suppose the, um, I wasn't anything amazing, but I did, like, I was county level swimmer. I broke, uh, when I was, I think I was maybe nine, ten. I broke some county records for, I think it was 50 metre backstroke I have the record for. And then, yeah, and basically I was swimming maybe, I was only training three times a week, I think, and in the afternoons. And even at that age, 10 years old, they were trying to get me, I was training the least out of anyone in the club. And they were desperate, like, oh, you've got to come this day on at six o'clock or whatever in the morning, you've got to do this and do this. And I didn't particularly love training for swimming. For me, it was just like, you just see tiles on the bottom of the swimming pool. It's, it's not super exciting whereas for racing I, I love to race people I love to beat people I love to, <laughs> that's that's what I suppose yeah excites me about it I love the racing but I just didn't want to swim six times a week and get up yeah. at five o'clock in the morning to do it especially when I was maybe cycling twice a week or three times a week at the same time um so then uh, I managed to hold off and just do what I wanted to do for couple of years and then it, it got too much for the club then they're like no you've got to you've got to come in this time and then I said ah, I'm, I'm all right thanks I'm I'll, I'll go ride my bike instead so that's probably why I ended up stopped swimming but um yeah I think for anyone swimming is such a great thing it's just an old body and with your lungs it's like I say I'm I, I hopefully I'll get back into it maybe next winter when if stuff starts opening back up again um I think it's definitely some good training maybe in the winter yeah, and obviously it is difficult. It must have been really difficult for you because to be a top-level swimmer, you have to be fully focused. And so it must have been hard to sort of balance the swimming with the riding that you wanted to be doing as well. Yeah, definitely. I think the good thing was at that time was I wasn't 
I was like, so I was still young, so yeah, there wasn't the stress of ah, oh, I need to be riding my bike for this to get selected for this or to, I what it was, it was more I I rode my bike out on the chase on this day and then mm. did a cafe ride on this day, so at, at that time the swimming was probably the most important serious training bit where I was yeah. doing like ah, oh, you've got you know four times hundreds and you're doing it on this clock and you've got this much rest and so. Yeah, I suppose it it didn't feel at the time because I'm quite a I love to do stuff. I don't I don't do very well with not having things to fill my day with. So at the time it was quite cool. I might have been going football and then coming back and doing swimming on the night. And then oh, I remember uh, I used to ride to Manan swimming. Uh, I remember getting to the age where I was old enough. It's think about ten miles or something again to get to my nan's swim school. So I remember uh, getting to the age where I started to do some, put some miles in, and it was a ride, ride to the my nan's swim school, do the swim session, and then uh, like a 20, 30 minute ride back. Which disciplines were you riding, and which of them was your favourite at the time? I've always ridden road, track, mountain bike, and cyclocross. I, I suppose I started on cyclocross and mountain bike um, first. And then track was probably the latest thing that I did when I think it was under 12 national champs there was. I think it was at Manchester before they changed it to the outdoors. Mm. Uh, I think I was second there that year. I was the first, yeah, so I was first, first year under 12. I think it was the first time I did track. So I didn't really do much before then. And road, I suppose it was just more regional uh, stuff before then, maybe stuff like Northwest Youth Tour. My favourite, what did I prefer? I don't know, because it was all, I suppose road was more new. And there was, at that time, there was less, when you're younger, there's, I don't know, you go to a race and there might be 15 people in your race. And then mountain bike, I suppose probably mountain bike and cycle cross were probably what I preferred to start with, because it was a bit like of a, I remember getting up on a Sunday morning, you get up at whatever clock in the morning, drive for... 40 minutes in the car and then you get out and you're there with a load I know the West Midlands have always been full it's quite a popular league so you get out and there's I remember starting at under eight and there being eight rows of people from the like under six or I don't know what it started from who were together but it might have been like the under 12s the under 10s the under eights and you've got just rows and rows of people and on the start you used to see how many you could uh, pass all in one go <laughs> So, I'd, yeah, that was probably more fun because that would be like uh, I'd go and would race at the same time and uh, dad would be racing maybe in the in the race later on as well. So I'd say that was quite a cool. I quite enjoyed them weekends and maybe that would if I was going to enjoy any of the disciplines more, that would be why I would have enjoyed the cross a bit more at that time. And which one's your favourite now? I'd say my least favourite is track. Not that I don't love the track. I do. I love racing stuff like the Madison, especially on the track. And the problem with the track is I find it so stressful. Mm. It, like one tiny mistake or you choosing this wheel over that wheel in a split second, it just it can just ruin or make the whole race. And yeah. the pressure of that, if you go into somewhere like Nationals, Euros, World Championships, it's it's just not a fun thing to be to be dealing with. Um, obviously, if you then come out with the win and whatever, then it's I suppose it's all worth it. But for me, 
it's quite stressful. You either win a track race or it's been a pretty rubbish race, in like my opinion. Whereas I know in a road race, I can have an absolutely amazing road race, come come off feeling on top of the world, thinking that was such an awesome race. And I've came in sixth, seventh, eighth, whatever, and not got a result per se, but really have enjoyed the race. Yeah. Um obviously I spend a lot of my time now doing road racing. I think I find it really hard to say which is my <laughs> favourite because I'd I'd say if I do anything too much, it would become less favourable than the others because yeah, I love keeping everything fresh and keeping stuff new. I'd like to have a go at a little bit of mountain bike this year as well. Uh, if the opportunity arises uh, because I haven't done that since I was younger but I used to love mountain bike racing racing people like Ben and Harry Birch and stuff like that when I was younger but I haven't done it in a few years so I don't really know how I'd fare on that and cross I've got a bit of a love-hate relationship with because (laughs) I love it I love doing it it's just that and I have had good results on the cross at world level but I've also had pretty crap results on the cross so I I really I do love racing it but I only love racing it when I'm at the pointy end racing for medals or whatever and I have done it where I've been three minutes down on the winner but I've also done it where I podiumed at the best level so I, I don't know how to answer your question and say which one's my favorite but um yeah I maybe road we'll go with road because that's what I'm spending that's what I'm doing at the moment and I do enjoy it I think there's last year it took me to a load of different parts of the world I'd never been to I got to race loads of new different things and um yeah I suppose I'm thankful for that and cross yeah yeah hard to choose (laughs) yeah so who took you to all of your races and what sort of traveling were you sort of doing to get to them so, well, it was always my mom and dad, pretty much, with me and Ben both racing. We've travelled everywhere and anywhere and everywhere for ever since I can remember. I remember getting, obviously, when we were younger, it was probably less difficult with the travelling. But even then, I remember races, you go to the Isle of Man when you're quite young and stuff like that. So that was quite cool. But then you travel, you know, if you do the National Cross Champs and stuff like that. I remember racing maybe number 10 at Abergavenny. So it's it's quite far racing. Yeah, it was always mum and dad that were taking me and Ben, chauffeuring us everywhere. I remember one of the best things ever being uh, we were lucky enough to get a motorhome and that just changed everything. It meant that we could just make a weekend out of stuff and go up to Blackpool and then, you, you know, spend the weekend there on the seafront. Um, I suppose I've been pretty lucky that I've been supported ever since I was younger getting driven to every which end of the country to be able to race my bike. So can you talk me through the disciplines that you've ridden nationally? Again it's the the same four I suppose it's uh, mountain bike, cycle cross, track and road. Again I've done all of them since I was under 12 really and up until last year I've done all of them. Mountain bike I've took a few years I haven't done but again I said I'd like to have a go at that this year um track I've done up until junior academy it was only last year the first time I haven't touched a track bike and it sort of feels a little bit weird I suppose I'm, I'm missing it a little bit getting like flying around the track in a TP line 
with the boys. But um, yeah, I it's it's the same for really. I I love to keep stuff different, and uh, I've been fortunate enough that I've had the legs to compete nationally on the different different disciplines for cross mountain bike, road, and on the track. Do you have any memorable national moments? Yeah, um, I know, I know people say uh, the races when you're younger don't mean anything, but to me, they do. I, uh, I, the national champs that jersey has always meant so much to me personally. I I don't know why, but ever since the first opportunity came to win it. I was desperate to have it. It just felt it was different to any other race. It was yeah. it was the one you get one shot, and to win it, it's like you wear this, and it it it, it means you're you are the best in the country. It's quite a it's quite a thing to have, I suppose. So memorable national moments all the way through from under twelve to to junior. There there's been so many different things. Um, one of the biggest again for me. It was when I was younger, it was when I was under 14, that I managed to win the four different national titles. Mm. And that just, I wasn't expecting that at all. But when I got to the two and then the third came and the, and the fourth was a just like blew my mind completely. I, I wasn't expecting that that year, but um, that was probably one of the things I still remember the most, actually. There's been that many things that cycling has led me to places I've been people I've met that yeah there's every year there's new moments and it's always yeah that's what I like about it like I was saying earlier the variety of why I don't like just to just do one discipline I love that variety and cycling gives me that variety every single year Um, there's always something going on and there's always something new (laughs) I, I think it's amazing that you were national champion in four disciplines in the same year. Can you talk me through each race for you? Yeah. Um, I can't remember what order it was in. The road race was probably the one I was most nervous for. So I really, really wanted to win the road and on the track. Really, really did want to win. And I was still at that age where I probably... I was starting to get, there was more people becoming better, if that makes sense. There was more, there was more competition in the field. And I desperately, desperately wanted to win, become national champion again and wear uh, that jersey. But I knew it was going to be a lot, a, a, a bigger task than it was two years ago. And um, Alfie, George, he was sort of the, ne- the guy I was worried about, basically. Um, and I remember going up to, I think it was Paisley, uh, Scotland, that the road race, and just being so nervous going into that race. But it was a course that did fairly suit me. It was a sort of a crit, sort of a short, punchy crit race. And uh, we managed to get, I managed to get off the front in a break. And when I look back now at the names in that break, it was all hitters, basically, um, like guys that are all so good um, now. Uh, but at the time, I what Alfie hadn't made the split in that group, and I was like, "Oh, I've got this sorted. I've got this sorted." And at the time, I did. I managed to have the sprint. Um, we basically rode off the front, and because it was such a strong group that were off the front, we just it was it was never coming back to the peloton. 
Um, and then it basically came down to a sprint, which I led out. And at the time I was the strongest to be able to do that. But again, in that break, there was guys like Ben, uh, Sam Watson, there was Dylan Westley. I, I can't remember everyone else in there. But it was a, it, I just remember it being a fully stacked group of a breakaway. On the track, I'm trying to think the track. Again, I think it was down to Alfie again, because obviously it's the same year. So um, it was at Wolverhampton, I think. And again, I was super nervous. Probably the most nervous I've actually been um, in all my racing was when I was a bit younger. Now I tend to be a bit more stress-free going into races and not, I know I can only do what I can do. And I give it my best shot. But back then, I don't know why it was, I just remember the day of the race was not a fun experience I was so stressed about coming away with the result which I knew I was able to do but I also knew it wasn't it wasn't going to be easy <laughs> and uh, it was quite I, I used to find it quite stressful again I, I think that race I ended up going quite well uh, I think Alfie had an operation maybe with his uh, burst appendix I think something like that um, and I don't think he was quite back on the form that he wanted to be on. So I managed to, yeah, I think win most of the races on that day. So once I got the first race out of the way, I was a bit more stress-free. But the other two were, I suppose, I, don't, I suppose you can call them lucky. Um, but the cross race, if I, I, I can't remember. I'm trying to think back to that cross race, which one it was um, or where it was or what happened. Maybe there was Ben, if Ben was there, maybe he had a mechanical and I was basically there to pick up the pieces, I think, and take that. And that was a bit of a shock. I think that was the first one I picked up, actually, because I think it's cross, it's cross season first, isn't it? And then you go into the road season. So I think I managed to pick that one up first as a bit of a shock. And then from there, the last one was mountain bike. So I'd already got the other three and mountain bike was... I was doing mountain bike, but I suppose it wasn't, yeah, road and track were like my things, should we say. And I, I was I was super motivated because they were, if I remember back, they were all in the same sort of four weeks or something. And I remember getting my training and sort of peaking my form and being able to try and hold it. And this mountain bike was four weeks into me sort of tapering. And I, I was stressing about whether my form was held or not or whether, whether I was going to not be training enough and I was going to have lost it. But I remember coming up to that day and I was absolutely flying. It was at Hadley, is it, uh, the, park, the mountain bike, the Olympic one down in London. I can't remember what it's called now. Um, but anyway, we were there and it was me, Ben and Harry Birchgill quite a bit off the front, I suppose. I, I don't know how many laps we were in. But I was on a good day and we were all together having, a, I suppose it would have been a really good race. And it's a bit unfortunate that it, it didn't end up planning out. Well, not unfortunate for me, but so Harry had, I think, a puncher and then or lost his chain or something like that. And Ben had the exact same thing the next lap. So it was like we were all three of us going around in like a train. Um, and then one dropped off and I'm like, oh, my God, I'm, I'm going to get a medal here. It's like just the two of us. I'm going to get a medal here. And I was I had good legs. I was feeling good. And then we go a lap later and then the next one drops off. And I'm like, wait a second, I'm I'm, I'm out of front here. And <laughs> I've, I've got a chance of winning 
another national title because I really wasn't expecting it going into the race. And um, yeah, ended up winning that. And then that was, yeah, that was crazy. I remember coming home and my uncle had put, uh, I'd like them sort of four, fourth birthday uh, banners and uh, balloons everywhere all over the house for when I got back. <laughs> so it was quite a cool experience. Oh, no, I think it's amazing that you've done that. Thank you. So earlier on, you mentioned the British Cycling Junior Academy, which you're on. Which discipline mm. or disciplines was that for? So that was for road and track. So as a junior, we managed to get, I managed to get onto that. And uh, I suppose that was quite a big step, really, uh, to go from what was ODA to the Junior Academy where you're only sort of, I don't know how many it is, five of you in your year. And um, I suppose it's quite a big cut to make, really. And then that gave me loads of opportunities, both on the track and on the road. Uh, more so for me on the road, it meant that I could ride races like Roubaix, Gent Weber Gem, Clem Brussels Kern, all that sort of stuff. Uh, Philip Gilbert, Juniors. Uh, which I think it's more, I think it's easier now, but it's quite difficult to get into some of them races uh, if you're not with a national team. And obviously you can't at all if for the Nations Cups, they are nation, national team only. And uh, being on the Junior Academy, it's sort of, you get first preference for the Nations Cups then. So I was really lucky. It meant that I got to go and race with the best guys in the world for our age on some famous courses, like on the same courses that the pros are doing. So that was, that was quite cool. What was your first international race like? My first international race? Um, it, it depends what you call first international race. Cause I, when I was younger, I don't know what it is in UK ages, but we used to go to Holland for a, I don't know how you pronounce this, uh, but we used to call it Mirlo. I'll, I'll try and find the uh the name of it this is not going to be anything like the sound of what it actually is but it's wheeler stimuler <laughs> i should have asked one of the dutch lads in the team to help to tell me how to say that but um yeah so it, we used to call it milo because that was a town where it was from and it's sort of for younger people and the uh you have like activities in the evening it might be like I, just, I suppose like a big paddling pool where you what's it called now um like on the gladiators where you knock someone off where there's like the plank in the middle of the pool and you have to knock the other person off stuff like that and you'd like there'd be like hanging competitions like where you hang off a pair of jeans for as long as you can there'd be i don't know football yeah just all sorts of games in the nights and you stay there for i think it's five days so you stay there in basically a youth hostel with loads of other people, um, eat there, sleep there, and then race in the morning. And it's like a GC race in Holland. And you're with the girls as well, but the girls are a year older. And obviously when you're that age, you the girls develop more quicker than the lads. And then they're a year older as well. So the girls are always the hardest to beat. So I remember going there and just having like, well, not my head kicked in, but having some proper races, um, been really really hard racing and that was like my biggest point of the season so that was the first time I raced international riders but my first I'd say proper international race would have been or maybe U6 I went to U6 Sweden with Backsteads or, or Assen 
I have no idea. I'm, <laughs> my head's in a mess here. I'm going all over the shop. Um, so basically, we went from Milo to start with. And then when I got a bit older, we went to the Assen Youth Tour, which is, I think, a lot of decent riders have come through then. And it's where I've met a lot of the guys that I'm still racing now um in all the different devo teams or whatever um I, I i was racing them ever since i was i think cat five was the first time which again i'll have to look up what that is in uh uk ages so i've been racing them all the way through there and then yeah after that it was sweden um juniors it was with the junior academy and them races i was talking about earlier kern brussels kern and game well again i suppose that's when it started to get a bit more serious can you tell me about your European Youth Olympics experience in 2017? Oh, yeah. That's another international one. <laughs> um, yeah, that was, an, that was an amazing experience. Um, I remember being super stressed, again, to get selected for that because it was such an experience. So it was over at Hungary, I think. And it was a proper, you got all the kit. It was with the... The, so we've got all the Adidas kit, the Olympic kit. Uh, it's with all the different sports. So I'm still I'm still mates with a few different people from swimming, from the play tennis, uh, do gymnastics, all from that experience, which is quite cool. Um, there was like an opening ceremony, like a massive opening ceremony, actually. Because um, I think the reason was, I think I was quite lucky with the one it was as well, that it Hungary, I can't remember, I might be chatting complete rubbish here. But um, something about they couldn't get like the actual Olympics. So for them, this Youth Olympics Festival thing was a massive deal to sort of show off and bring everyone here and mm. show sort of the world what I suppose they have to offer. And um, so it was a big, big deal for them. So like we had this opening ceremony and it was in a stadium of something like 15,000 people, something. It was like 15, 20,000, something crazy. You walk in do a little parade around and then there was the opening ceremony uh we i remember we had like a gb plane pretty much it was full on the boards going in it was like team gb the plane like rather than plane number whatever it was team gb so that was quite cool yeah going there me mixing with all the different sports the the race didn't actually go to plan really we were quite strong but um we messed up we got a big telling off pretty much from uh from from the coaches um i don't know where we ended up coming up coming up in that race not anywhere to remember that's how, it wasn't that good i remember we um we were all i think riding really really well and then we made the mistake of going to the back of the peloton uh, at one point in the race to i don't know why we were at the back of the peloton but we just switched off took a gel something like that and then pretty much everything happened in that five minutes that we decided to go to the back and do nothing. And um, yeah, they never let us live it down, the GB coaches, I suppose. When we, when I, um, uh, as we were talking about the Junior Academy earlier, and you don't have like an interview, but you sort of do a confirmation camp. And on that, you have a, like a yeah, chat with Stuart Blunt. Uh, he's the coach for Junior Academy. And uh, everyone's, I suppose, pretty nervous before you know Stuart. It, it's like a, it's like this, I don't know how to explain it, but I just remember being pretty nervous to speak to him before I knew him. Yeah, the first thing he said to me in this meeting, so I'm quite nervous going to this meeting, and then he's like, 
oh, so are you going to tell me about what happened at Youth Olympics then? How, how did you all mess that up so badly? And I was like, uh, uh, uh. <laughs> he was like, I heard that you went to the back to take a uh, to take some gel. Why, why would you go to the back of a peloton to take a gel and then lose the race? I was like, um, well, um. <laughs> so, so, yeah. <laughs> so you had an incredible classic season in 2018, including winning the Junior Paris-Roubaix. Can you talk me through your classic season? Yeah, so that year was my first year as a junior. So I was, I suppose I was just super excited to get racing uh, on famous courses, the courses that I've watched on TV. Mm. And yeah, I started off racing. I actually raced with Backstead uh, at Kern, Brussels Kern first. And I remember just being shocked. At, I was just like, this is so hard. This, <laughs> it was awesome. It was great fun. I remember loving riding like the different sectors and how all that came down. I stayed in the front bunch, but basically finished at the back of that front bunch. You know, I was at the pointy end of the race, but I just, yeah, I remember thinking, gee, this is, this is good fun, but it was flipping hard. <laughs> and then, um, yeah, the week after that or two weeks after that, I raced Ghent Wevelgem with the British squad, the academy. And that was probably still one of the hardest races I've ever done. I remember I was I had really good legs. Um, I was attacking from group to group. Guys went off the front. And I, I remember I nearly made it all the way uh, to the front split. Well, I said the front breakaway. There was four, I think three or four guys off the front. And I'd, I'd got all the way to literally catching them from attacking from group to group. And I just, I was having the best time I just thought oh my god this is junior racing this is so much good this is so much fun and um but I basically I caught the breakaway at the bottom of a climb and then I must have been on the back of this breakaway for about three seconds maximum and then we hit the bottom of the climb and I got dropped again into the group behind and then I slowly went backwards until um yeah we hit the next cobble sector and then I found myself in a group but because I'd put that massive effort in I was sort of on my last legs for the last 50k of the race but I remember just like bombing it down the scents and going as high as I could at the cobbles. It was just, yeah, it was, that was um, super good fun. But I came in, um, we led Jim out for the sprint. And um, yeah, I, I just remember it being the, the hardest, hardest I've ever been, I ever gone in a race and still to this day. And then after that, yeah, what, we did the Roubaix recce straight after the Marvel game, if I remember right, on the Monday. And that was just, that was just good, good fun. All the lads were there and, just racing Roubaix sectors um, and then it was down to the race and it was slightly wet in the morning of Roubaix and I was so excited for it. I remember the night before like having our like prep talk from uh, Stuart Blunt and my heart probably heart rate went higher than it did in the race in that prep talk and because uh, obviously we'd won it the year before with Tom as well so it was like oh, it's alright boys as long as you don't do uh, any worse than last year all, all is good so uh, we didn't have um, yeah we had a bit to live up to. And yeah, the first part of the race is the most stressful bit at Roubaix. It's quite a simple race, um, surprisingly, after you've done the first um, 30k because everyone knows what's going to happen. It's it's a race to the first sector. And then the guys that have not that aren't towards the front get stretched right towards the back and they have to sprint as hard as they can to catch the bunch up after the sector. And then by the time they've caught up the bunch the front of the bunch is going full speed again to try and be into that next sector first. So then they, they just end up doing such a harder effort that they get dropped and then the bunch gets smaller and smaller and smaller. 
to the most important bit is that first in the junior race. I think it was 20 or 30k um, before that first sector. And it was just one of the scariest. Yeah, it was one of the scariest 30k <laughs> of my life because um, every single person in the bike race knows they've got to be uh, into that cobble section in the first 15 riders, realistically. And yeah, there was crashes, there was all sorts going on. Um, and if you look at my heart rate it, and my power in the race, the hardest bit of the whole bit was, whole race, sorry, was at the start. I think GB, I think we came into that cobble sector, the first one, like second, third, fourth and fifth. So it was, um, we absolutely nailed it. And then once you're onto the cobbles, I remember, because it was the first time I'd ever raced cobbles properly. I'm thinking, oh God, it's going to be so hard, so hard. But actually it was... The cobbles was the easy bit. It was uh, every time it was the fight into the sectors. But one one thing that did happen for Roubaix was I've always, when I was younger, always used to race on some wheels. There were spin wheels from a company called Spin Industries. And it's like a fairly small company, um, but they supported me. And I absolutely fell in love with their wheels for cross, for road. They do all sorts. Um, and I always used their wheels, but they weren't actually... UCI like registered wheels there's only a few wheels that are properly tested and technically legal to use in races and obviously because this was a big big race uh the coach we were talking about it because uh another rider had a frame set that wasn't actually tested so we were talking about it the night before and then he said because it wasn't and he found out about that there was no way I was riding them wheels in the race he said what happens if you go and win tomorrow and then they use, it's like very unlikely, but then they come over and go, no, nah, you, you haven't got the win because you're using these wheels. So, yeah, so that left me over in uh, France with no wheels to race. So I think it was, uh, I ended up using some training aluminium clinchers. And I was so, like, I, I was losing my head because it was in my first Roubaix. I was so excited and I was like, oh my God, I'm, I'm on clinchers. This is how this is just not going to happen. Um, <laughs> So yeah, so they, this is why I was on clinchers. And after this first cobble sector, it was quite, it's slightly wet in the morning. I, I can't remember how my Garmin had messed up on the sector. Um, it was like half falling off and maybe it was taped on. And basically I was ripping my Garmin off. And then I was first leading out of the sector and I was, I was putting my Garmin up my back pocket. So I went to grab my brakes fairly late into the corner. Went to grab my brakes, press my brakes and nothing really happened it was sort of like you'd almost like I'd run out of brake pads that feeling where you press it and it's not you're not slowing down anywhere enough speed to make to make the corner and um typically there was someone crossing the road I don't know why they were crossing the road but there was someone crossing the road uh at the end of the first sector as a bike race was coming through so obviously I run super wide on this corner can't do anything can't slow down and the person and there's the person crossing the road nearly made it to the path the other side and I've just taken him completely out he's gone flying I've gone flying yeah so if my heart rate and adrenaline wasn't high enough from not running my wheels that I loved it was uh I'd now fallen off but luckily because I was at the very very front of the race I managed to jump back on my chain was on and everything like that um put my bottles back in my bike and a bit of a cross mount, jump back on. And yeah, I was back onto the back of the peloton pretty quickly, like a minute or so later. And I think that adrenaline that I had in me from that took me 
all the way through to the end of the race. But yeah, so then as that race went on um, at Roubaix, it's so manic with the cars and people puncturing and the sectors that the cars just never you never really followed by many cars because they're stuck behind riders further down the sector. And we went car, I have no idea what car we were, but it wasn't close enough to be to be there anyway. So I think Stuart must have saw the race at the very start and then that was about it until the end. We were going through the race and the bunch had been down to 20, 30 riders, something like that. Um, it wasn't loads. And I'd been attacking and attacking and attacking. And everyone, that was, obviously, we were racing Remco at the time. So he was the, the guy that everyone was looking at. So it was sort of everyone versus him because they knew he was the guy to beat. He was going to try and go at some point. And I sort of, um, yeah, I, so I was attacking and he was bringing me back and I was attacking and he was bringing me back. And then we got to one point, we'd gone over a bridge and it was the first hottish day of the season. And I was completely out of water. I was dying. I was dying for energy. I was dying for water. And uh, some guys were managing to go back for uh, to their cars. The guy must have had a good um, positioning in the convoy. And I was I was just so annoyed that I couldn't go back and get food. And they could. So I was like, well, if you're going back, I'm going to go forward. So I, I attacked. At that point, it was sort of a lull in the race, because hence why these guys were going back for food. And yeah, I attacked. A couple of, about a minute later, the Italian, Samuel Manfredi, came across with me. And we managed to basically get enough of a gap that we got over the next cobble sector without the peloton catching us. And from then on, it was simple, really. It was just a time trial for us because we probably weren't going, we were probably going a lot slower than the peloton over the sectors. But actually for us, we were just going so hard in between the sectors that when the peloton was sitting up and looking around before they had to race into the next sector again, we just managed to edge out that bit of time every time to so say if they took 10 seconds out of us on the sector we took 15 seconds out of them in between it so yeah so we stayed together for the whole race then and I was on some awesome legs and I was pretty comfortable then with him all the way to the line um it did start to hurt the scariest point of that race was on the car four because I remember it's uh, on that day, it's the same day as the pro race. So you've got all the crowds out because they camp there from whatever time. And uh, so we have not the same crowds as the pro race, but enough crowds where every little space across the sector, being such a famous sector, is full. When we finished that sector, I could see the peloton. When I'd left, it was, say, 20, 30 riders. Well, all I could see was the front of that peloton and they were about eight seconds or so behind us. And I was thinking, oh no, not now, not now. Like I've not gone all this way and it's gonna, I'm going to lose my opportunity. And um, yeah, we made it to the end of the sector, but then we were, we were getting time gaps of like eight seconds or 10 seconds and I couldn't see anything behind us. But it turned out that that peloton, by the time it got to us, was uh, one person and then it was one person behind him and then it was like a group of five and then a group of three. So, I don't know what happened behind, but it was, yeah, it was carnage. The last couple of K was pretty stressful because I was feeling pretty good, but I also felt comfortable I was going to beat uh, the Italian in the sprint. But I didn't want to go on my own and then him catch me back up and I've lost, I've used all my energy up or I don't know, the bunch behind has caught us up and I'm stuffed. I stayed with him, followed him into the velodrome. Uh, that's probably one of the best feelings. I'll always, yeah, remember turning into that and it was just like, just like noise just hit me straight away 
um and i was just so in the zone but i could still it was yeah it was in the background i just remember being super super focused i wasn't losing that then once i was once i was there with a the one-on-one on a velodrome i was uh yeah i would have been, i would not forgive myself if i didn't pull that one off so i just yeah i went up basically went up the inside room half a lap to go and uh held him up against the fence all the way until 100 meters to go 150 meters to go maybe I was holding him right on the hip and I suppose I was probably quite happy to take him all the way to the line if needed be <laughs> on the fence. Yeah, he sort of started to edge back, edge back and I saw him go slightly for his brakes to try and dive under me. So just at that moment in time, as soon as I saw him tap that brake, I just I just gave it absolutely everything and um, yeah, I'd got the jump on him and he didn't really didn't really give him much of a chance. Yeah, that was that was quite a special, special day and um my nan and granddad were there watching in the velodrome as well. So, um, yeah, that was, uh, yeah, it was awesome. Yeah. So in that year as well, you continued great form with a second place at the National Junior Men's Road Race, finishing behind Ben Teller. Can you tell me how that race went for you? <sighs> Rubbish. And I suppose uh, it went really good. But at that moment in time, the, the race, I can't remember much about, if I'm honest. I just remember the last 3K or so. I can't remember much about the course apart from about, I might be making this up, but it was a, say, 3K out, 4K out, something like that. There was a um, sort of fast descent, a left turn, and then maybe a, a one-minute hill, 30-second hill, at 6%, 7%, something like that. I knew I didn't really want to come down to just a pure sprint, and I think I tried to get away maybe early in the race or whatever, but we came to this and I put myself in a good position. And I remember, there, I think it was people attacking going into the hill. Um, so it sort of split the bunch up a little bit. And I remember just being like, right, this is my moment. And clicking, like, I don't know, just going full gas and sort of jumping from the one group to the next group. And then thinking, right, I'm going to carry this on now. And I just, yeah, I went as hard as I possibly could. Didn't take a look around me of what was really going on until I was properly over the climb. And then I looked around. And I nearly couldn't see the bunch because we had a big gap on him, except there was one guy on my wheel and it was Ben. So I was like, oh God. And really he was, I suppose I was more so of a favourite coming into that position, being more of a sprinter than him um, coming into that yeah, last bit. So he wasn't going to give me a turn basically. And he was in the position because he was on my wheel and there was nothing I could do about it because if I messed up, obviously it's only three, two K to go. So I've got to go as hard as I can to get to the line. And if I don't, the bunch is going to catch me. But at the same time, I don't want to just drag him all the way to the line. But I was, I felt confident in myself that I was going to out sprint him. So I wasn't too bothered about him there on my wheel. And yeah, so I basically took him to the line. And then when I we had enough time on the peloton, it was sort of a real game of knowing how much time I could go easier because yeah trying to gauge that distance of how quickly the peloton are catching you and then um yeah i've just messed up my sprint basically he got the jump on me i don't i, I not much i can say I, me- I messed up and he he just outbeat me i think i i was faster in the sprint because he came around me and um it was sort of a left-hand corner and he came around me and then not shut the door on me but did the right thing and basically gave himself as much of a jump as he could and leaving me the least time possible to go. So then by the time I'd managed to, he got the jump and a little bit of a gap, by the time I'd rushed that back, 
I was gaining, gaining, gaining. And then I came alongside him and then the line was there. And it was like, oh, I was I so badly wanted to win that national champs and wear the jersey next year. I, I absolutely love that jersey. And yeah, I, I think it means so much. And I was desperate to wear it. So to come to come in second, I was obviously I was happy because it was another result. It was another like position on the board. But yeah, I was gutted because I knew I'd I'd messed it. Not that I should have won, but I knew I had it in me to win. And I, yeah, if I'd done it differently I could have been wearing the bands next year so yeah it was a good day but a, a rubbish day at the same time <laughs> to finish off the road season you headed off to Innsbruck Austria for the junior men's world road championships can you tell me how it felt to finish the season off at your first road worlds that season was amazing for me and road worlds was such a big goal to get selected for um, to get selected for that was as a bottom year was crazy because, yeah, I suppose it's quite when you're a bottom year, it's um, it's not as easy to get selected as a junior. Even though the team was pretty much consisted of bottom years, if I remember right, that year, because I suppose we just had a fairly strong year, and it was in such a beautiful part of the world. It was all new. It was my first proper world champs. It was, you know, you go in there and you've got your own chef, the team chef, and you've got you're sitting across the table from famous world tour riders and it, it was just like yeah cra- crazy um beautiful part of the world beautiful race and I sp- it wasn't a race that actually suited me really at all so there wasn't the stress either I was a bottom year and I wasn't ever really gonna I was gonna give it my absolute best but I wasn't really ever gonna win that race so it was uh, holidays going a bit far but it was almost like just what an amazing experience to enjoy um to learn I suppose about how everyone operates at a world champs but yeah that was a that was a really cool way to end the season I just remember thinking yeah life life was good (laughs) life was good then yeah I've actually ridden that course before but I've ridden on Zwift (laughs) oh yeah 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 maybe the views aren't quite as beautiful um on Zwift as they are in real life (laughs) So you ended your year by riding lots of cyclocross in Europe, including finishing 10th at the Namur World Cup round. But that race didn't quite go to plan for you. Can you tell me what happened? Yeah, so this was a season where I actually, like I was saying earlier, I've had good and bad times with cyclocross. This was, I don't know how or what, but I was riding fairly well. I came away with that season quite a few but I was always racing for the front, basically. I was always in the pointy end of the race. So I was loving it. And Namur was probably the first time I saw that. So I had in cross, you, well, a lot of people have three bikes, but I was fortunate, fortunate enough to have two. And um, that race, I don't know where I was gridded, but I remember moving up and moving up and moving up. And it's a grueling, like everyone knows Namur as a crazy course, super hard. Mm-hmm. But it also means that if you, it's not a course that if you've got, if you've got the legs, you'll be able to move up anymore. A lot of courses can be more difficult to move up if they say faster flowing or what have you, and the stars more important. Whereas at Namur, if you're really strong, you're probably going to find your way to the front. And I remember just starting further back and working my way up, working my way up. And I was, I got myself back up into, uh, I think even onto the podium at one point. And it was really, I suppose a bit unexpected. I wasn't expecting myself to be riding that well. Um, 
but then unfortunately I had a problem. It was a real grim day as the more normally is. And I think it was just so hard on the bikes that I can't remember what happened, but I broke my bike basically clogged up, whatever it did. Uh, the chain was sucking and just getting jammed completely, I think. Um, so I had to run around a third of a lap or a quarter of a lap. And it dropped me back down into, I don't know, eighth, ninth position jump back on the bike and I thought right I still do this still do this and I had I did have really really good legs that day and I moved myself all the way back up into a fourth fifth position something like that um so I was thinking oh yes I'm still gonna it would have been the best result by far for me it would have really been a big result and I was thinking awesome awesome and then with half a lap to go I snapped something on my bike I can't remember what it was I think I just turned my mech had just turned so it was there was just no way my bike was moving it was I couldn't even like roll it. It just, I had to run all the way with my bike on my back to the pits. And dad then had managed to fix, I think, in the meantime, my bike that I'd broken in the first place enough for me to just ride the last. It was like the pits was just before the finish. So it was like just that last little bit I was able to ride. Um, but then that dropped me all the way back down to 10th. I wasn't moving back up again with say a quarter of a lap to go or whatever. So um, yeah. It was, it was sort of a bit of a sweet race. It was the first time I saw what I had the potential to do. But at the same time, I managed to break two bikes and, um, yeah. Yeah, I think it's still incredible that you finished 10th after everything that happened. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was a crazy day. So just a couple of days later, you finished third at the Zolder World Cup. That must have been mm. an amazing moment. Yeah, it was um, probably one of the things I'm proudest of. Maybe um, just because I really wanted to be able to show that I was not, I don't even know to who, to myself, that I was a diverse enough rider where I could podium at world level on the road and then on the off-road in the same, in the same year. And I've managed to do it on the road. So to come into the cross and it was my goal. It was my goal for the, it was my goal before I started the season, before Roubaix, before the Nations Cups, I wanted to be able to do a podium in a World Cup, Nations Cup for cross and road. So to get that third was just like, a, yeah, it was an amazing moment because I'd worked so hard for it and I did really, really, really want to be able to show that I could perform on the cross. Yeah, it was sort of new for, the, uh, for me to be up there uh, racing the best in the world on cross. So to come away with third, yeah, it was, it was crazy. It was, a comp it was a freezing cold day. I made the amazing choice of wearing shorts and a short sleeve. I was blue all over. Maybe that's why I went well, because I couldn't feel anything. But yeah, yeah, it was a, it was a, it was a cool day. And just after that, you raced um, the national champs at Gravesend, um, yeah. finishing second junior male. I was actually there that day, and there's just an amazing atmosphere at the national champs. I, do, I remember it as well. I, for me, it was not the best day to remember, if I'm honest, because... I'd like to say I that season I'd surprised myself and managed to get uh come away with a few better results. I had confidence basically going into that race. Obviously, Ben's world champ, so it, you don't get any tougher competition than that. But I didn't have any doubt in my head going into that race. I think as you have to be that I had the ability to to get, at least give him a race, to at least give at least put up a good fight for the national champs jersey. Um, and nothing's changed with that. I'd really really 
it's a big it's a big jersey like I spoke about before and I remember thinking right this I I think two weeks before I got taken out by a car on the road but it hadn't really affected me that bad and I came into that race just I set off and I was I was feeling you know when you set off on a race and sometimes you just know you're feeling good and I was feeling really good and there was these 40 centimeter hurdles just before the finish on the first lap and we're all in sort of a group and I hopped these and Ben was taking it safe and running them and because I'd hopped them I kicked as hard as I possibly could after the hurdles and I got like a couple of second gap or whatever and I was like in my head at that point I, I was winning the race I was I just had that I suppose morale I'd got a gap on Ben it was like whoa that's not normal but then I made 20 seconds later I was probably pushing it too hard thinking oh my god I'm gonna win um I pushed it too hard and lost my back end going around the corner and got back on and they'd all caught up and then I got to the next corner and lost my back end again and then I never saw him again for the rest of the race <laughs> And I, I just like, because I'd lost that opportunity to be in the race with him, to be actually racing him. Once he was out on his own, there was, there was no chance. And I suppose I was so, I got myself so, I suppose ex, all I was focused on was the win, really. That once that had gone, it was, I'd sort of lost, not lost my head, but yeah, maybe lost my head a little bit. And then um, the rest of the race was just a bit of a painful uh painful slog to hold on for second but still second in the national championships it's not uh something to take for granted so I was I was still pretty happy with coming second to the world champ then you raced the cyclocross world champs in Denmark and unfortunately you weren't able to finish the race what happened I was again it was that year where I was going well and getting results in cyclocross so I went into the world champs with every intention of well winning it I suppose but I knew I was I knew I was capable for a podium um realistically and I was desperate to get that and that was all that was in my head really and I had a really I had a really good start I was in that front group I must have been in second or third um about three quarters of a lap in it was just it was the last technical section before the finish and it was quite a tricky it picked up a few people um if I remember on that weekend and uh, it was this off camber, like really steep off camber, and you have to try and get up to the top. And you can ride it, but it was first lap and everyone's right together. And um, I think the guy in front of me messed it up a little bit, put his foot down. And I was on quite a good line and it just stopped me dead. And I went into his back wheel. And then I basically high, side, high sided down this super slippy, steep bankment, embankment. And because it was right at the start of the race, I must have lost I couldn't basically get back up there was everyone taking me I'm like running through different people people are going past me all the time and by the time I jumped back on my bike I must have been I I, I don't remember I can't remember where I was I I wasn't in the front I wasn't in the second or third position that I was in and um I just lost that time that for me I wasn't good enough to be um to outride just outride everyone off my wheel so that meant if I if I lost any time to the group at any point in the race, that was my race over, really. So, yeah, it was just a massive build-up in me, in my head, to this World Champs. Um, and, yeah, I suppose it meant quite a bit to me to try and be up there and feel like I could, yeah, get a result for GB. I just felt at that point, I just threw it all away. And, um, yeah, and then I, I don't know what happened. I tried as hard as I could, and maybe this is why. But maybe I went too hard then, but to get straight back to that group. And uh, 
I was sort of in the mess then in cross races. If you're not at the front, you're in a real, you're with a lot of guys that, not that they're not racing properly, but they're like, I don't know, it's, you're diving up the inside of people and people are crashing into each other and then you're stopping into this corner and there's a go back there and then this guy's crashing, he's grabbing onto someone's seat to hold him back because he's angry with him and you're running up a hill and someone's fell off in front of you and it's just, when you're at the front, you flow so much faster around the course and um, I wasn't in that bit and uh, yeah, I think I just, once I'd done, say, a lap of trying as hard as I could to get back on, and making no inroads or losing time or I can't remember. It just, I yeah, I did. I lost my head, really. And um, it, it felt like I was doing a max sprint the whole time. Like, my breathing went up probably more mentally. Uh, my body had, like, just the realisation of you've messed this up. Probably just, it wasn't me giving up in my head. Like, I still desperately wanted to win. But it just, my body, it wasn't happening. And, um, yeah. So, then I ended up, uh, I must have done another lap or so and just just slowly went from wherever I was in the bunch, lower and lower and lower and lower. And then, uh, yeah, I I can't remember how many how many laps it was through the race, but I, I pulled out then because I was, I was so, I don't know. I, if I'm honest, I don't know exactly why I pulled out. I think it felt, there was no more races coming up. I wasn't getting anything training from it. It was my last big thing of the season and I was... Mm. I just really, yeah, I, I think at that moment in time, it felt it didn't, I wasn't doing myself justice and I felt horrible and to pull out and I knew Ben was winning. So I sort of ended up maybe as a self-preservation act, uh, pulling out and cheering him on as hard as I could to uh, to make, try and make the day a positive. <laughs> maybe that was going on, I don't really know. And uh, yeah, so I pulled myself out of the race basically. In August 2019, you were National Junior Madison Champion with teammate Alfie George. How did it feel going into that? Yeah, that me and Alfie have always been rivals since we were, however, he was like the first guy that gave me a run for my money. So we've always been mates and we've always been rivals since, since forever. So to get to ride together in the Madison was just such a cool experience. And it was something we always said we were going to do. Um, so to actually do that was was crazy. We we rode together the year before actually as well, um, and came second in the Madison. Um, so I suppose you could you could sort of say we were like favourites going into it, and there was no I suppose not, no doubt. But we were out of any of the races that week. Honestly, it was the race I wanted to win the most. It was really a, a it was a special <laughs> I suppose it was a special race for us, um, and. Yeah, I suppose we're quite close and uh, like families are quite close as well. So that to just have that experience together and we were, it was a good day. It went well. And yeah, we just, I suppose we just rode together well. We just sort of knew knew what was going on. And yeah, I just remember fit, like out of it, like I said, any of the races that week, I wanted to win that and we got it. So then we got, you know, after we went out and celebrated together and it was, yeah, it was, it was sort of like a, not yeah not a dream come true but like a dream come true it was a, a story fairy tale ending for us because uh yeah it was something we'd always talked about so to actually go and win it was was super cool so you ended the year by joining a new team can you tell me how you signed for group armor fdj yeah so after Rube, 
uh, when I was a bottom year junior, I got contacted by an agent and I've been working basically with him ever since. And when we were getting to the end of junior, I was sort of had to make a bit of a decision of whether I wanted to go more towards the track or whether the road was going to be my thing. And I decided that more because, again, I wanted to do, do something that I enjoy more than it felt like more of a job. And I spoke earlier in the podcast about how I found the track really stressful and I didn't want to, I, I just felt that the road was the way to go for me and there was going to be more, more for me to learn and more for me to gain by going to focus on the road. Um, so once we'd sort of spoke about that, it was sort of looking, I was fortunate enough where I had the, almost the pick of teams that I wanted really because of Roubaix and Ghent and Gilbert and stuff like that. I was, I was really in a fortunate position where not, not that I could have gone to anywhere completely I wanted, but there was a, oh yeah, I was in a fortunate position to be able to choose, uh, have a few teams on the table to choose from. And I really just had to look and see what I thought was going to be, what is the best development team in the world. And I really still do think now, a year later, it was the best choice I could have made. I think the setup here is so good um, with everything. It's just and being the development to the World Tour team. And like, like last year, I managed to get to race with the World Tour team a few times and just like connections and learning new language and all that sort of stuff. It's, yeah, for me, it's been amazing to come here. So it came about pretty much by me and the agent speaking together. And he, that was on the table and we sort of spoke and I came out to France to check all the service course out and the setup and how it was all running. And it just, it, then it just felt, I was like, yeah, this is the place for me. So um, that's when I signed the contract. And I was lucky because I managed to get that signed up before the end of the season with Road Worlds and everything like that. So I didn't have any of that on my mind because um, when I was speaking to my coach, Stuart Blunt at the time, he was saying, right, you want to, you don't want to be stressing for the rest of the season about oh, what you're going to be doing next year. You're going to senior, you're not going to senior, you're going to road team or you're not. Um, so to get that done was really nice. And I didn't have to stress then about getting results or thinking, oh, I've got to do this for getting on this team. I've got to do this. It was all done and dusted and I could just focus on riding my bike. So, so there are a lot of French riders on the team. Do you mm. speak French? <laughs> I speak. I wouldn't, know. I don't speak French, but I am a lot better than I was last year at speaking French. Um, I've surprised myself this year. Yeah, I, I put now, I put, I probably do half an hour, an hour a day of French and being in the environment I'm in where it's all French and, you know, the race briefings are in French and the main language of the team is French. I'm really immersed in the language now. So it's, we've, that combined with the team also pay for French lessons for us. So I do two French lessons a week with an actual tutor as well as my own stuff that I do. And I've really found coming back to this camp this year that, yeah, like last year I turned up not knowing, I knew sort of GCSE French. So it wasn't, yeah, I, I basically I didn't know French. And um, yeah, I've been able to hold conversations with people and I had an hour massage the other day and I, the only language was French and I managed to understand and speak all the way through it. So 
I've, I've got a lot better. I'm, I'm all right when it's um, shorter phrases at a time, if they speak for 30 seconds, 20 seconds at a time. But if it's, say, someone speaks for a minute, two minutes, I'm still thinking about the first thing they've said. So I'm, I'm not... I'm not super fast with it there. I'm not super fast with it yet, but um, I'm hoping by if I have another year on this team by the end of next year, I'll uh, I'll be able to speak French, which would be a crazy thing. Something I never thought I'd be able to do. No other language. I think it's so good, not just for not just to be on this team, but just a skill to take with you all the way through your life. So yeah, I feel fortunate to be able to be given that opportunity as well. Were the briefings a bit hard at first and did you sort of feel a bit left out because you can always understand what everyone was saying? Luckily, because there is guys from all over the world here, there's, mm. you know, people from Estonia and everything, it is two languages, it is French and English and they do it all in French and then if there's any, I'd say the most important bits, they'll go back over in English. Um, they've actually done that less this year than they have the last two years. I think they want it, they're going to try and be a bit more uh, to help people learn to make it a bit more where you have to learn if that makes sense because if you don't have to and it's easy to get along without knowing the language then you won't end up learning the language so I think that's quite good and for me my French has got that much better that I'm quite lucky that this year um, if they're doing it less I think I would have struggled a bit more last year but yeah I, I, I've realized when you, stuff gets translated not, not everything is always translated directly and there might be stuff that's missed out or you can't have a proper conversation. Even in the race, last year it was quite difficult to communicate in the heat of the moment in different languages. So when I wasn't any good at French, and uh, I think this year that will be a big difference as well with how the team operates, being able to speak the language a bit better. So you joined the team and then 2020 happened. What events have you been able to get in? Again, another reason why I was so... Uh, glad and happy with my choice was that I've been so lucky this last year I managed to race like GP Salmon at the start of the season um, managed to get a few races in went back and it was in lockdown and then I came back out and I still managed to get something like 30 race days in I managed to race the Baby Giro I managed to race Ronnie Izzard I managed to race Parry Tour uh, I managed to race with Mark Cavendish at Free. so it was I was really, really, really fortunate last year. Obviously, the season was a bit messed up, but really, it almost wasn't that different for me. So I was really, really fortunate last year to be able to get them races in that I did, um, which, again, is just another massive bonus for me and the team that I can, I'm can. i training for a purpose. I'm training for racing because that's what I like to do. Um, I wouldn't put in the same effort and the same hours I do on the bike if it wasn't to be performing at the pointy end of races because that's what I train for. So to be able to actually have the races to train for, that was, um, yeah, for me, it was a massive thing. So when I was doing research for your interview, the Dave Rayner Fund came up quite a lot. Can you tell me what that is and what it means to you? Yeah, the Dave Rayner Fund is, I suppose, an amazing uh, charity where they support riders trying to make it a cyclist basically because it's not an easy thing to do so they support riders financially to be able to make it out into Europe and racing teams and try and put their name out on out into the cycling world I suppose and get to race in bigger races in French teams and Belgian teams whatever yeah so 
that's a, I don't know how many riders it is um, exactly, but it's quite easy to find loads of information. And if you go onto my Twitter or just type in Dave Rainer Fund, it all came up and there's loads of stuff that goes on with that. So it's a pretty cool charity and lots of stuff goes on with that. So, yeah. Another thing that I found was some really awesome photography that you've done on your photography account, um, Lewis Askey underscore photos. Um, can you tell me what got you interested in photography? Yeah, I don't know. Um, when I was at school, I did a little bit of a job, I suppose, on the side uh, to make a little bit of pocket money, helping like marketing companies sort of thing. And the money I made from that, I decided to put into buying myself professional, well, yeah, I suppose it's professional, like camera equipment, brought myself my laptop, stuff like that. And my plan was I was going to start doing different, like promotional videos for people, taking photographs, stuff like that um, while I was in school. But then I ended up sort of preparing for the world champs in the UK and sort of just put it a bit on the back burner. But then it just left me with this uh, amazing photography kit. And um, I found out that I ended up quite enjoying taking some cool photos. And uh, I'm so glad I did, I suppose, because, yeah, I just quite enjoy taking cool photos, whether that be sliding around in my car or jumping over stuff on my mountain bike or taking stuff of cross races. I did, um, I suppose it's just something different from cycling, I suppose. Uh, I'm quite weird in that I like to always be moved like I said earlier always be moving on to the next thing keeping stuff fresh and variety so I like to learn about new stuff and that was something I didn't know about so I suppose I taught myself about photography in a way it was something to learn something to add to my palmares isn't the right word but yeah add to what I can do I suppose what are you looking forward to in 2021 and do you have any targets um I think with everything that's going on, I know I said I'm really lucky with the team and all the races, but you still don't know what's going to happen. Some races are already being cancelled. I don't want to give myself any, this is a goal, I want to hit that because it would just crack me if they, uh, if it ends up getting cancelled. But I'd love to race through Bay this year. Didn't get to race that last year. Um, to see sort of where I am in that sort of race would be pretty cool. Uh, I really enjoyed Paris Tour last year. Um, so if I got to race that again, that would probably be quite a big goal. Um, but no, I wouldn't say there's anything in particular that I'm working specifically towards. Uh, I suppose I'll uh, all the classics I want to be uh, showing myself and developing and learning. But um, yeah, there's nothing in particular that I'm thinking this is this is what I want to go in. I want to win this or do this. What sort of training are you currently doing? Um. Well, at the moment, I'm on a training camp in, I don't know how you say it, in Italy. We'll go with Italy because I can pronounce that. Luckily, I was, I'd say I was, yeah, struggling a bit, I suppose, in the last lockdown. Um, the first one I didn't find too bad with nice weather and coming back home. It was it was quite well, nice, isn't the right word, but almost nice. And this last one is just for me being, I suppose, hit home. It was like, real. I've been so lucky the whole way through that it's not really affecting me. So to go from that to then just being stuck in one place for so many months and not actually be able to do much uh, and with crap weather, um, it's been so nice that I can come here and 
speak with everyone like normal chat to different people meet new people make new friends go on new roads I've yeah I'm so I'm really lucky at the moment I think I, I needed it I did, I did really need it um so training wise we've I'm but it's a rest day is what I'm on now so we've had a block of three four days uh to start with and it's so hilly around here so we've just been doing getting some hours in on life I suppose we've uh we did a 20 minute test the other day um and then we did some sprints behind the bike the day after that and then it's rest and then we'll be on to the second half of the training camp which I don't actually know what we're doing yet but it'll probably be getting again some uh, more miles and hills in while we can do you have a specific role within the team mm, not really I wouldn't say no I suppose if I did have a role it'd be more the thing with me is I'm I'm not the best at anything I just always seem to be able to do whatever it is so I can climb all right I can sprint all right but I'm not the best sprinter and I'm not the best at this or the best at that but whatever the race brings up I tend to be there unless it's pure mountains which I found out last year um I'm no good at them unfortunately um so my role in the team I I don't know last year I suppose I was a bit of a helper in all situations because we had Jake who was obviously up there at the top for the sprinting um, and then I could help out for the most part in the climbs uh, and into the bottom of the climbs like stuff like Lombardia um, we managed to pretty much set up the set up the race for our guys before it even got to the big climbs and then when it comes to the races that suit me there's not really anyone left to to give me a role so it's yeah I don't know I don't know what you'd call me as a role um, I suppose we all get to swap around a bit in this team and learn about how to do a bit of everything yeah what sort of rider do you think you would like to develop into um i'd love to be able to win a classic i'd love to be able to win a classic i don't know if i've got the sprint on me to do it i'm trying to work on that a little bit but um i'd love yeah i'd love to be able to be at the top of a classics race at the pointy end of game over game Roubaix, camels and all them races flanders if I could be at the front of that, that would be, I'd love to do that. I think it's what my body, maybe I'm saying that because unfortunately I'm not going to be able to win the Tour de France. But uh, yeah, I love that sort of uh, classic race. Um, so if I could develop to be a little bit faster, that would be nice. Because I think I've got the, uh, I've got the head and I've got the ability maybe to get to the end of them races. I just need to be a little bit faster to win them. Who is your favourite current rider? See, I'm going to be rubbish on these questions because... I am not the sort of person that has a favourite rider. I Even when I was younger, I didn't... I wouldn't say I didn't grow up watching cycling, but I did, I'm not the guy that was like, oh, I love this, this is my role model, this is my guy. So I wouldn't... I don't have a favourite rider. I don't have someone I'm like, yes, this is... Yeah, this is the guy. But I would say guys like Alaphilippe that are just not scared to put everything down on the line. People that aren't scared to race the bikes, I suppose. People that race with... Uh, with everything, put everything on the line every day. I think they're the sort of guys that I yeah, look up to in that way. And the same way with, I suppose, Wow and Van der Poel at the moment, uh, showing that they can do, that you can perform at the best. You don't have to just be a road rider. You can do different disciplines and you can spice things up like that. I, re- I think what they're doing for that is really cool for the younger guys, making people believe that you don't have to just spend every single second on a road bike to be good on the road. Um, I suppose I look up to that. And I quite enjoy that as well. Where do you like to ride for fun? Riding for fun, 
I would say the chase, Canic Chase, spoke about it earlier on the mountain bike. That's where I grew up riding. I love it. I think it's such an amazing place to ride a bike. I, but I'd say also if there was another place, it would be in the Alps near Morzine, um, Avoriaz, Leger, that area. It's probably it's where I first went to France and I absolutely love it there. It's, I don't know what it is, why, but it's where I remember when I was younger, just going out on my own and just going out for a two hour ride and it taking me seven hours because I've just gone over this extra mountain and all this to see this view or to do this thing. Yeah. I, there's just something about that that just I just I just love that area of the world. Is there a race that you haven't done yet but you would really like to do? Um, I have not done Flanders. I would I think it would suit me. So yeah, if there was a race that I haven't done that I'd like to do, it'd probably be Flanders. I think it would be a cool race to have a go at. What's your favourite race that you've done? Huh. I'll give you two because i feel like the first one is just because of the results so obviously roubaix is gonna i'm just gonna have to say that one because of the memories and the atmosphere and the cobbles and the history and just blah 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 that is probably the favorite but then also i absolutely love the philippe gilbert junior race um the finishing bit of that is probably one of my favorite finishing circuits to date i absolutely love it it goes basically up la redoute and then you take a right at the top and you just do this sketchy descent under a bridge, tight turns. If it's wet, it's deadly. And uh, and then you just go straight up the first bit of Larry again. And I just I just love it. I, I love the finish to that race. So I, that's a, probably another one of my favourite races. What do you think is the best cyclocross course that you have done? I don't know. Um, I suppose I haven't done that many. Um, I love Namor. I do think, out of, I think it's such a brutal course and it's a bit more there's a bit more to it it's got a bit more character than other cyclocross courses so I'd say yeah races like Namor recently I mean yeah I also love quite a few of the British courses quite like Shrewsbury used to love that course maybe just because it's a course that I did well on um, and when I was at Westmid Cyclocross League I used to love uh, the Redditch course I don't I don't know what that's actually like now but I just remember always looking forward to that course not that anyone else will know what the Redditch course is but maybe uh, yeah that one Namor is really iconic it's definitely a good course yeah yeah definitely what's your advice for young riders advice for young riders I think for me I would just I suppose it's probably what everyone says but just remember why you do it is to enjoy it and not to be too stressed about the technicalities of everything and trying to get an extra watt or trying to think about numbers or aerodynamics or just do the basics right. Just eat well, sleep well, train hard. Not too hard though, because then you'll overtrain. And that's really not good. Um, but just, yeah, just do the basics right. Be healthy and uh, enjoy what you're doing and you can't really go wrong. So you've got five minutes before you head down to the start of a race. What's on your playlist to get you motivated? <laughs> uh, this question, the problem is I listen to absolutely, well, not every type of music, but there is a wide variety of music that I listen to and I could literally get motivated from such a different song depending on my mood. <laughs> like I I quite love a, like an old but gold playlist. That would probably be my, my most listened to. Um, 
I could quite at the same time use, I don't know if you've seen or heard them like motivational speech, Spotify things they do. I mean, they're a bit over the top and crazy, but if you're not in the right mood to be motivated, then they, they, they just get me off the motivated. <laughs> um, and, but at the same time, I could get motivated by listening to something stupid like Adele um, and some slow, sad song could motivate me just as much as Tiny Temper or whatever. Thank you for joining me today, Lewis. Cool. No problem. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening. Make sure to keep sharing the podcast with your friends and let me know your feedback. See you on the bike.